The following message is brought to you by New Song Church and Pastor Joshua Blunt in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. For more information on New Song, visit us online at newsongpeople.com. Hey, New Song Church, I am coming at you right now from my office. We had a little technical difficulty this weekend with the recording of the message, uh, but I wanted to make sure that you got to hear this message, so I'm here in my office. I'm going to reteach it, and hopefully it's just as powerful as it was this weekend. Man, it was an incredible weekend. We saw so many people's lives changed, so many people experienced freedom in a new area of their life. And so I want to just jump right into it. We're we're in a series right now called Roots. And what we're doing through this series is we're looking at our life and we're looking specifically at the fruit of our life, the production of our life. And if that fruit doesn't line up with God's Word and what God's Word wants us to produce, then we're dealing with it at a root level. Because remember, we talked about this in the first week of the series. If you have a fruit problem, you have a root problem. So if you want to change the fruit of your life, we got to work on it from the roots. Uh, last weekend, Pastor David did a great job talking about the fruit issue of apathy and how we deal with that at a root level. This weekend, I want to talk to you about the fruit issue, which is a, a root issue of rejection. Uh, rejection is, is a big deal. And as a pastor, I can tell you that so many of the issues that we deal with in the church and counseling and relational issues that we face as a church are rooted in rejection. Some of the deepest uh, wounds of our life come from rejection, from from a feeling of not being accepted. And we've we've all experienced this in different areas of our life. Maybe you've experienced this in your family. Maybe you grew up in a home where you felt like you had parents that you could never please. It was never good enough for them. Uh, Maybe you've experienced this in your job. Maybe you've, you've experienced this in a school situation, maybe you kind of felt like you were you weren't a part of that in crowd, so you were you weren't accepted. You were kind of outside of that group of people. We all experience this. Sometimes we experience it by by people we we hardly know, people we don't really even like. Uh, but we also experience it from people that we know well, people that we love, people that should love us. And the problem with rejection is rejection brings with it a lot of baggage. And, and, and what happens is one of the biggest issues that we face when it comes to rejection is that after we, we have been dealt rejection, we deal with life from a rejected perspective. And we look at, at the world through the lens of, of rejection. So, so it goes kind of like this. We, we go to a party and, you know, it's Christmas time, the, the season of the year, the holiday season. You're going to be at parties and you go to a party and you see somebody across the room who you know but, but you get to the end of the night, the end of this party, and that person has never at any point during the party come up and talk to you. And so you feel a little rejected. You're wondering, why, why didn't they come say hi to you? Never mind the fact that you never went and said anything to them. You're just thinking about you. Uh, maybe somebody doesn't like your social media post. Maybe you, you work really hard to craft this beautiful social media post. You know, you get your kids and you get them all in the picture and you take 5,000 pictures trying to get that one picture where everybody's looking at the camera with a fairly decent look on their face. And so you get everybody, you get the right picture and then you you spend a couple days writing up the post and you put it out there for all of the world to see. A couple days go by and you notice it's got a lot of likes on it, but you wonder, did that one person, I I haven't heard from them in a while, I wonder if they 
if they liked it. And so you do what you normally really shouldn't do, you know you shouldn't do, which is you start going through and looking at all the people who liked your post. And sure enough, that person's name is not listed as someone who liked your post. And that just seals it for you. Okay, I guess we're done. They hate me. We're through. We're finished. So if they hate me, I hate them. Unfriend. And, and so what happens is we, we begin to filter our life through this lens of rejection. And, and really, it begins to cloud our vision. We see things the wrong way. We don't see people the right way. We don't see we don't see opportunities the right way. We don't see God the right way. We don't see the Word of God the, the right way. And really, it actually begins to blind us. And in our, in our blind state, we end up reaching for something to, to grab a hold of. Because that's what you do when you can't see well. You're reaching for something to, to bring balance to your life. And, and in that state of reaching, the enemy is right there to feed us even more rejection. Because see, the enemy understands something. He understands that he can defeat you through rejection because through rejection, he can isolate you. He can isolate you from relationships that, that God has, has put in your life to bring freedom to you. He can actually even isolate you from, from God himself. And you pull away from God and you pull away from the Word of God. And so the enemy wants to feed you rejection because he knows. See, the enemy wants to steal, kill, and destroy. He's looking for people he can devour. And you're much easier to devour if you've isolated yourself. So he uses rejection to isolate you. When you're rooted in rejection, your, your past experiences, past rejections keep you from stepping into future relationships and opportunities because, because you filter your life through this idea of what if. What if that person treats me like they did? What if this new person, what if this new opportunity ends up the way that old opportunity does? I, I knew a guy who, growing up, he, he kind of got passed back and forth between his parents. His parents got a divorce when he was a young kid. And he ended up kind of being perceived by his parents as a, as a burden. And so he didn't really enjoy his parents. He kind of felt passed back and forth. He, he, he was going from aunts and uncles and moms and dads. And, and it, it just he always felt like a burden. He was constantly being rejected. And so as he got older... He began to filter his life through this. And even though he made Jesus the Lord of his life, even though he got saved, because he had this rejection stuff on him, he continued to filter his life through rejection. So if he would, he would sniff at you know, someone in his life possibly rejecting him, even if they really weren't, if he thought it was possibly happening, he would begin to reject them before they could reject him. Because see, that's what rejection, people that are rooted in rejection do. Rejected people reject. And so he would begin to reject people. And now because he's rejecting people and because rejected people reject, the people he's rejecting are now rejecting him back, feeding the very fear that, that he was worried about in the beginning. When you're rooted in rejection and someone comes along in your life and they want to try to correct you, they want to try to help you along, they see something in your life that needs to be corrected and so they, they want to bring direction to you. you, you can't receive that because you see it as disapproval. You see it as, as they don't believe in me. They don't approve of who I am because, because I am a product of what I, I do, my performance. And you don't like my performance, so you don't like me. When you're, when you're rooted in rejection, your performance is never good enough. You, you don't even get a chance to celebrate the victories of, of your life because, because you're still seeking more approval. Well, why did they compliment me in this area but not in this area? Like, like for example, let's say that I'm rooted in rejection, okay? If I'm rooted in rejection and I'm standing out in the lobby after church and someone comes up to me and says something like, Hey, Pastor Josh, 
that was a great message today. I, I really enjoyed it. And then they walk away. If I'm rooted in rejection, I might find myself going, okay, well, why did they say it was a great message today? Like that, that person's never told me it was a great message before. Why did they just say it was a great message now? And, and why did they specifically use the word today? Have my messages not been good up to this point? Am I a phony? Am I a fake? Like, like you see how that rejection can can get in your life and mess you up. When, when you're rooted in rejection, you're self-affronting. In other words, uh, you put yourself down. And you do this because you want other people to lift you up. You feel rejected. And so so you do stuff like you, you post on social media and you, you make statements like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm such a bad parent. I, I don't spend enough time with my kids. I'm such a bad mom. And what you want is people to come along and say, no, you're not a bad mom. You're a great mom. And you want them to encourage you and accept you and, and lift you up because you feel rejected. You, you reject yourself so that other people will, will lift you up and make you feel better about yourself. When you're rooted in rejection... It's impossible for you to be happy for other people. You feel like there's not enough acceptance to go around. You, you live with this kind of a logical idea that if they get something, that means that I'm not getting something. When you're rooted in rejection, you can't forgive because you feel rejection. You feel rejected and you feel like if you give that person forgiveness, you're accepting them and you're giving them something that you don't have, so you, you, can't, you can't do that. When you're rooted in rejection... You look for love in the wrong places. You look for acceptance in the wrong places. You look for, for love in, ple- in pleasing people. You look for acceptance in work. You look for acceptance in accomplishments. Now, I'm telling you, I could go on and on and on talking about all of the things that rejection does, all the fruit that it produces in our life. But, but my point is this, rejection is hurtful. And it's especially hurtful for us because, see, our greatest desire is love. The greatest desire of the human in heart is love. So because of that, the greatest fear is rejection. A couple weeks ago, uh, Pastor Dennis Rouse was here preaching at New Song Church. And, and he made a statement about the two greatest fears that exist in the world. Number one is the fear of public speaking. Number two is the fear of death. <laughs> like we're more afraid to get up and, and speak publicly than we are of death. Why, how is that possible? Why is that possible? Because of rejection. Because if you're dead... No one can reject you. But, but if I get up in public speak, there's, there's people that could say, man, you're not very good. Or what will people think? What if they don't like me? What if I make myself look stupid? Or what if I say something wrong? You see, at the heart of rejection is a desire for acceptance and this feeling that I don't have it. Because the opposite of rejected is accepted. And that's what we all want. We, all, we, want, we have this burning desire within us to be accepted. And rejection says, I'm not. And we all experience this at at some level in our life, and here's why. Because we're all born rejected. In fact, I I put it like this in your notes. We're all born with a rejected conscience. All of us are like this. No matter what kind of home you grew up in, no matter how great your parents may have been, no matter what kind of upbringing you may have had, we're all born with a bent towards feeling rejected because we're all born in sin. And, And rejection is an inherited trait of a sinner. You see, here's how it goes down. Thousands and thousands of years ago, in the very beginning, Adam and Eve, our forefathers, rejected God. They rejected the truth of God's Word, and they they sinned. And when they sinned, uh, they they became sinful. And 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 this trait of rejection was, was placed inside of them, and it's been passed down to everybody else ever since. 
And before you get all mad at Adam and Eve and you know upset that they did this to you, you realize we all make this same decision. The Bible says we all sin, we all fall short of the glory of God. And so because we, we, we sin, we become sinners, and, and we're imperfect, and we're unholy. And that causes us to, to really struggle with having a connection with a perfect and holy God. So be, because of our sin, we feel this separation between us and God who is holy. In fact, the Bible says it like this in Isaiah 59 verse 2. It says, but your iniquities, that's, a, that's another word for sins, have made a separation between you and your God. And your sins have hidden His face from, from you. Now, when the Bible talks about the face of God, really what it's talking about is identity because the identity is in the face. That's why when you go get your driver's license, they don't take a picture of your torso. They take a picture of your face because your face is how people know it's you. And what the Bible says here is that when we sin, a sin, sin makes a separation. And it, it makes it hard for us to see God the right way. We don't really see God for who He is. We don't really understand what He's all about. We don't see His heart for us as people. And so there's this separation that takes place. And this separation feels like rejection. Especially to people who were created for the specific purpose of having a relationship with God. Which is me and you. See, that's in our makeup. That's in our DNA. We were designed and created to have an intimate relationship with God. Whether you recognize that or realize that or not, it's true. And because of this deep desire to have this relationship with God, because it can't be fulfilled, we feel rejected. We feel this sense of separation and abandonment. We feel rejected. But the good news is we don't have to stay there. Because of Jesus... Freedom from sin and acceptance from God are available. Because of the cross of Jesus Christ, me and you can be accepted by a holy God. We can be made perfect. Not perfect in our performance, but perfect in our position with God. So acceptance is available, but but understand this. Even though you're a Christian, even though you've made Jesus the Lord of your life, even though you're accepted, because you live in a fallen world that's dominated by people who are sinners who who live with this rejected conscience, this rejected mindset within them, and because you have rejection within you still. See, when you make Jesus the Lord of your life, you're born again spiritually, but your mind has to be renewed. And so in your mind, you may still have some rejection you're dealing with. Even though Jesus has accepted you, you're still dealing with that. So so you, if you're not careful, we can we can chase after acceptance in the wrong places. And we'll go looking for it in in people and in relationships. And if that happens, if that if the desire for acceptance is focused in the wrong direction, it can trap you. In fact, the Bible says it like this in Proverbs 29 verse 25. It says, it is a dangerous trap. It is a dangerous trap to be concerned with what others think of you. But if you trust the Lord, you are safe. Chasing after the approval and acceptance from others, the Bible tells us here, it's a dangerous trap. Now, understand having a desire to be accepted and to have approval from, from people is, is not a bad thing. In fact, if you don't have any kind of desire within you to, to be a, have approval from others or be accepted by other people, 
really you're kind of a psychopath. Like you don't want to be a person who just does not give any care as to what anyone else thinks of you. That's, that's not good. So, so that desire is actually is put inside of us by God. It's okay to have it. It's just not okay if it becomes uh, something that leads your life and dominates and controls your life and your actions. See, that's what the enemy wants to do. He, he wants to take things and godly desires, godly needs, and he wants to get you to try to fulfill them in, on, in ungodly ways. And so he'll take something like the desire for acceptance and approval and he'll, he'll try to get you driven uh, for it in the wrong places and with the wrong people. It's kind of like, I don't know, think about it like, like this. It's kind of like food. We all have a desire and a need for food. And this week, it's, it's Thanksgiving week, and we're going to get with our families, and we're going to eat. And it's that time of the year, the Christmas season, where you know you put on a Christmas movie, and you feel like, hey, I'm watching a Christmas movie. I might as well have five dozen cookies. And you know we're making mashed potatoes. We might as well stick 10 sticks of butter inside of these. And we, we eat all this food, and if we're not careful, it can lead to some dangerous stuff, right? It can lead to some love handles and some paunchy tummies and some big hips and and if we're not careful it can lead to high blood pressure it can lead to heart disease and and if we're not even more not careful it can lead to a a lower quality of life and even death it's a godly desire a godly need is to have food but if it's driven in the, the wrong way it can it can lead to disaster you have a need and a desire for approval but it but it can be misused and if it and if it is it becomes a trap that can keep you from God's purpose for your life. This is how God kind of put it to me this week. This is how I wrote it down. You cannot be worried about being what everybody else wants you to be and focus on who God created you to be at the same time. If you're always trying to live up to the standards or the acceptance or the approval of people around you, trying to fulfill their purpose for your life, listen, you're going to miss out on God's purpose for your life. And that's why the Bible tells us in 1 Thessalonians 2 verse 4, our purpose is to please God, not people. That's the purpose of your life. God didn't put you here on earth to please to please people. He put you here on this earth to please Him. So, so if we don't deal with this rejection issue, it, we're going to miss out on our purpose in life and it's going to cause us to look for the approval of man and then the approval of man can lead to, to, to some disaster. In fact, if you go through life chasing after the approval of man, you're going to be a fake. You'll be a fake person, a fake version of yourself. You'll you'll wear masks. You'll be whatever version of yourself you think they, that group of people, want you to be. So you'll be one person around this group of people wearing this mask, and then you'll be another person with another mask around this group of people. And neither of those people are really who you are. When you're chased after man's approval, it can lead you to sin. You'll fall, you'll fall prey to peer pressure. You'll find yourself doing things that you, you can't believe that you, you did. Why? Because you want acceptance. I, I remember hearing about this girl who, when she was in high school, she wanted to be accepted by the in crowd at her school, the popular kids. The problem was these popular kids were all very bad kids. They were involved in drugs and doing things sexually that they shouldn't be doing and and drinking and she didn't do any of that stuff but she so badly wanted to be accepted by them that she came up with this plan she was going to write a note and in this note she was going to outline all the bad terrible things that she had done and then she was going to kind of strategically drop it in a place near where this group of people hangs out hoping that one of them would see it and pick it up and read it and then bring her into their group and accept her into their group 
Like that's crazy, right? But, but this is what can happen if we're chasing after acceptance and approval. And one of the more dangerous things about man's approval is if you're chasing after that, it's going to silence your witness. You're not going to be able to, to, to speak the truth in love. You're not going to be able to, to say the things that need to be said and share the gospel message because you're afraid of what other people might think, might say, might do. Here, here's a couple of questions that you might want to ask yourself, some, some things that God kind of laid on my heart this week as I was putting together this message. Here's some stuff to think about. Whose opinion matters to you more? People's, friends, classmates, or God's? In what area of, of my life am I, am I caving in to the expectations of other people? In what area am I doing what I know is wrong in order to try to, to, to win the approval of other people and, rejo- and, and avoid rejection from people? Here, here's a really good one for you. Who around me would hear about Jesus if the fear of rejection wasn't an issue? Wow. So, so let me bring some relief to this issue, all right? Let me... Let me help you out a little bit, all right? First of all, you need to understand something. You cannot make everybody happy. You just can't. You can't do it. It's impossible. There are going to be people in your life who do not accept you, people who do not approve of you, people who don't like you. Yet, because everybody has their own choice, their own opinions, their own thinking, people are not all going to like you. You can't do it. And understand this. If you try to do it, you're trying to do something that God can't and won't do. Understand, even God can't please everyone. He can't do it. Like a, a couple weekends ago, we had the, the OU-OSU Bedlam football game here in Oklahoma. And, and half of our state was wearing orange and cheering for a team in orange and even praying for a team in orange. And then half of our state was cheering and praying for a team in crimson. And these two teams came together. And when the game was over, the people that were praying for the team in orange we're not very pleased. Why? Because God is not pleased with the prayer for the OSU Cowboys. That's just the way it is. No, but, but, we, but we deal with this thing where we, we think we want it a certain way. We're believing for a certain thing, and that's not really in God's plan. I mean, I, I think last weekend my kids heard that it was going to snow on Monday. And so Sunday night, my daughter Bo came up to me and she said, I'm going to pray that it snows so much that we don't have school on Monday. And I said, don't do that. Don't do that. That's, we don't know that that's God's plan, so don't, don't be praying that kind of, that kind of prayer. She said, but she didn't listen to me. She's kind of like her mom. So she decided to do her own thing. And so she, she, she prayed. And guess what? She woke up Monday, and it snowed, but not enough to cancel school. So she was not very pleased. My friends, not everybody's going to be pleased. And, and God can't please everybody. And listen, He doesn't even try to. Understand, that's not his job. God's job is not to try to please me and you. If it was, we would be God. But we're not God. And I'm glad I'm not God. I would be a bad God. There'd be a lot more vengeance and wrath in this world, uh, especially to people that annoy me, if I was God in this world. You don't want me to be God. You don't need to be God. God is God. And so, so because God is God, it's our job in life to try to live a life pleasing to Him, not Him trying to please us. So God's not trying to please us. He can't do it, and He doesn't even try to. So understand, who are we to try to do what God can't do and what God won't do? You, you cannot win everyone's approval, and you don't need to. See, understand, I don't need everyone's approval to be happy. Not only can I not win everyone's approval, I don't need it. You don't need everyone's acceptance to be happy. 
Why? Because acceptance is a choice, not a result. Nothing and no one can make you happy unless you choose to be happy. What other people think of you has no bearing on your happiness unless you choose to let it. And so let me, let me bring even more freedom to you this morning on this subject, okay? Let me say it like this. I think this is going to really help you. Some of you have spent your entire life chasing after the approval and acceptance of people, maybe specifically your parents, and they're just never going to give it to you. It didn't matter if you got a if you got a B, they wanted an A. If you got a C, they wanted a B. It, no matter what you did, it was never enough for them. And if that's the case for you, listen, I really mean this. I'm very sorry. I'm sorry that you had to deal with the pain of chasing after something that people should have given you freely. But let me also tell you this, okay? That person that you've been trying to get their approval all your life and you haven't got it, guess what? If you haven't gotten it by now, you're probably not ever going to get it. But let me also say this, okay? That's not about you. That's not a reflection on you. That's not your fault. It's not saying anything about you. That problem is their problem. They are unpleasable. You don't need their approval. Let it go. I don't need the approval of other people to be happy. What you need is to learn to have the same kind of attitude that Jesus had when it came to the approval of other people, okay? You guys remember Jesus, right? He's kind of a big deal in this church thing that we're doing. He's kind of what this is all about, all right? These are the words of Jesus in dealing with people who were not approving of him. John chapter 5, verse 41, Jesus said this, the words of Jesus, okay? Your approval or disapproval means nothing to me. (laughs) Those are the words of Jesus. He said that the approval of people meant nothing to him. Why? Because Jesus wasn't concerned about what people thought. He was only concerned about what his father thought of him. Jesus knew his father accepted him. He knew his father approved of him. So he, he, he didn't care what other people thought. And because of that, he was free from the power of rejection. See, when you're set free from the expectations of others, you can be who your creator made you to be, not what everybody else is trying to mold you and make you to be. I don't need everyone's approval and acceptance to be happy. I don't have to live a life rooted in rejection. Why? Okay, here's the big take home today. If you're, uh, Are you ready for this? Okay, uh, you don't have to live a life rooted in rejection. Here's why. Because I have been accepted by God through Jesus. You have been accepted by God through Jesus. And if you're going to win against the fruit of rejection, we have got to be rooted in our acceptance in Jesus Christ. Me and you are completely accepted by God through Jesus. Okay, look at this with me. This is Ephesians 1 verse 3. It says this. It said, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ. Verse 4, just as He chose us, notice He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy without blame, without sin, before Him in love. So Jesus chose us and He chose to make us uh, free from sin. Verse 5, having predestined us to adoption, He wants us to be in His family as sons by Jesus Christ Himself, according to the good pleasure of His will. So it's God's will that we're to be in His family. It's His will that we're to be sin-free and sinless. To the praise of the glory of His grace, it's by grace that it's available, by which He made us, look at this, accepted in the Beloved. 
Who made us accepted in the beloved? Jesus. How did he do it? Through the cross. And it's available by grace through faith. That means it's a free gift. That phrase, accepted in the beloved there, it literally means you are accepted in the family of God. Because of Jesus, you have been accepted by God. You have been chosen by God. You have been chosen by God Himself. And listen, you need to really, you you need to root yourself in this. That's the truth about you. That's what God says about you. You're accepted. You're approved. I don't care what people have told you. I don't care how you may feel about it. In Christ, this is the truth about you. You can count on the fact that God has chosen you and He accepts you. God chose you before everything else. Look look back at verse 4. Just as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, before He created anything else, He chose you that we would be holy and without blame before Him in love. Before it all, God decided, I'm going to choose to love you. That's how deep His love and acceptance is for us. God chose us, and He chose to accept us and to make us acceptable. Titus 3 verse 7 says this, Jesus treated us much better than we deserve. Amen to that, right? He made us acceptable to God, and He gave us the hope of eternal life. Notice the words there. He made us and He gave us. This is a gift of grace from God. Jesus made us acceptable. His performance was so great, so amazing, that it makes us acceptable. God looks at you today and you're acceptable to Him because of what Jesus did. That position is settled with God. It's established. Isn't that awesome? So awesome. Jesus died on the cross. He paid the price for our sins. He covers us with our love. You're accepted and all you have to do is accept that. And so that's why I don't have to chase after the approval and the acceptance of man because if I'm chasing after it, if I'm chasing after approval, it's because I'm not living from it. Right? Write this down if you're taking notes. Quit chasing approval and start living from it. True freedom from rejection comes when we realize that we don't need to struggle to get from man what God freely gives us. Today, God offers you love and acceptance and approval and security, worth and value. As a Christian, I'm not not living for approval. I'm living from approval. Me and you have been completely accepted by God through Jesus. So, So God doesn't look at you and He doesn't see your sin. Your sin doesn't define you. The cross of Jesus defines you. Your shame doesn't define you. Your upbringing doesn't define you. What people said about you, the labels they put on you doesn't define you. The pain that you've experienced in your life doesn't define you. The cross of Jesus defines you. That's who we are. And when we accept that truth and root our life in that truth, the power of that, that rejection would try to hold against you is broken over you. God accepts you. God chose you. We got to root ourselves in that. So, so how do we, how do we hold on to that truth? Well, one of my favorite verses in the Bible is Hebrews twelve verse two, talking about Jesus. It says this in verse two. It says, "Fixing our eyes on Jesus." Fixing our eyes means that we're to intentionally look at Him, and we're to keep our eyes looking at Him. We're looking at Him, and we're continuing to intentionally look at Him. We don't take our eyes off Him. We're, we're focusing on what He did. Okay. Fixing our eyes on Him, the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross, scorning its shame. So this verse tells us that as Jesus was going to the cross, that there was a joy that was set before Him. And the joy that was set before Him was was realized it was you. It was winning us back to God. 
That was the joy that was set before him. And making us acceptable, God, was the joy that was set before him. Jesus chose us. And so as he marched to the cross, he did that willingly choosing us. Now, here's what hit me this week as I was thinking about this. Uh, Jesus, when he went to the cross, he experienced the greatest earthly human rejection of all time. To To the point that the Bible says that the Father turned his back on him which literally is is hell on earth you know someday if it, people who do not make Jesus the lord of their life they're going to if they if they never make that decision then when they die they will be eternally separated from god that's hell but we don't all experience that and and especially for christians but you don't even, but even if you do experience it you don't experience it on earth you experience it in hell but jesus experienced that the separation from god here on this earth. Jesus was the only living man who's ever experienced God the Father turning his back on him. Now, you think about that, that's, that's really not the nature of God when it comes to sin. You, know, you, you even go back to the beginning of the Bible when Adam and Eve sinned, and what we find is, is that God comes to them after they sin. He comes to them asking what happened. It's not because he didn't know what happened. He knew well. He's God. He knows everything. He knew what happened, but he wanted to begin to start working the plan of redemption, so he comes to them. We see in the life of Jesus that he, he didn't turn his back on sinners. He didn't turn his back on people who were sinful. In fact, he was known in the day, uh, in the day that he lived as being what was called a friend to sinners. And when they said that about him, it was supposed to be a cut down. He spent time with sinners. The, the nature that we see of God in the Bible is not a, a God who turns his back on sinners. It's, it's the nature that Jesus shows us in the story of the prodigal son of a father who, who stands looking at the horizon, waiting for his child to come back. And the moment he sees his child taking steps towards him, he runs to them and covers them with his righteousness and forgives them. That's the nature of God. But at the cross, Jesus experienced literal hell on earth. And listen, he knew it was coming. He knew he was going to experience that. That's why the day before in the Garden of Gethsemane, he, he's praying and crying out to God and says, God, if there be another way, let this cup pass from me, but not my will, but yours be done. And Luke in his description of this says that Jesus was under such pressure. In fact, the Greek word used is the word agony, that he was sweating drops of blood. Sometimes when we think of the cross, we just think of the physical pain that Jesus experienced. We don't recognize the spiritual separation and pain that, that he experienced. While Jesus was hanging on the cross, this, this just hit me this week. Every sin of all time was laid upon him. Do you, do you remember a time in your life when your innocence was kind of taken away? Maybe you you remember being a kid and there was something that happened. Maybe something that was said or something that was done to you or something that you saw. And and a bit of your innocence was taken from you and you felt dirty and you felt gross and you you felt bad and sinful. Because you were pure in that area and now you no longer were. I realized Jesus was the perfect spotless Lamb of God who never sinned a day in His life. And at the cross He took on every horrible, gross sin that has ever been done in the world. You think of the most ugly, disgusting sin you can think of. A sin like someone doing something like molesting a child or whatever it may be. Jesus carried that sin. It was was so dark, 
so ugly and he knew what he was going to face. He knew the physical pain. He knew the spiritual pain. He knew everything he was going to have to deal with. And that the Bible tells us that as he was walking towards that, after he'd already been, he'd, he'd already lost the approval and acceptance of his friends. They turned their back on him. The Jewish people have turned their back on him. He's walking towards the cross. He's walking towards literal hell on earth. The Bible says his eyes weren't fixed on his rejection. They were fixed on me and you. So, so what do we do? We don't fix our eyes on the earthly rejection we may be experiencing. We fix our eyes on Jesus. We look intentionally at Jesus. We fix our eyes on the joy that's set before us. Heaven's acceptance and God's love and, and the plan of God and the hope of a future with Jesus Christ. Listen, New Song, you're going to face rejection. You're going to face it in life. I wish I could tell you you weren't, but you're going to face it. People are going to reject you. Not everybody's going to accept you. You're going to get hurt. Bad things are going to happen. But if you choose, and it's a choice, if you choose to have your life rooted in the love of Jesus and the acceptance of God, if you choose to keep your eyes fixed on Jesus Christ, rejection will have no power over you. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? This weekend as I prayed preparing this message on Sunday morning, I asked the Lord what He wanted me to do in ending the service. And, and God quickly told me something. He said, he said I, I want to give people an opportunity to make an exchange. So maybe you're listening to this message right now and I want you to know God offers you an exchange. And, and the, the image God gave to me was this story from, from a few years ago when me and Sarah first got married, I had an Xbox video game system. And uh, it was kind of our media player at the time. It was our DVD player and a video game system and kind of everything we did ran through it. And it broke. And uh, we didn't have a ton of money at the time. And so it was kind of a really rough thing. And I remember I took it into Best Buy to see if they could fix it, but they couldn't fix it. But when I was there, they said, you know what, we, we can't fix it, but you actually have a warranty on this. And so you can, you can actually get another one uh, of the same value, but we actually don't have this system anymore. So you can go ahead and upgrade to the, the next system up. And so they, I ended up getting a, a newer PlayStation video game system that had a Blu-ray player and wireless remote controls, and it was a much better system. And so, so here's what happened. I went in with something broken, and I exchanged it for something far better than what I had before. And I believe that's what God wants to do in your life. He wants to take your rejection. The Bible talks about how, how, how God wants to give you beauty for ashes, he wants to give you comfort for pain. He wants to give you gladness for, for your sorrow. If you give God your rejection, He'll exchange it for acceptance and peace and freedom. And you can, you can remember this, this Thanksgiving season as being the time of year when you gave up that thing and you laid it in God's hands and you exchanged it for something beautiful. In fact, these are the words that God gave me yesterday morning as I prayed over this message. He told me to tell you, listening to this, give me your rejection. Th those words that somebody said to you that come back to you from time to time. Those hurtful words. The, the thing that that person did to you. The, the moment that you keep replaying in your, in your life that keeps coming back to you. you. You lay your head down on the pillow and you remember this moment of rejection. God is saying today, give me that. I want to make an exchange with you.
So if you're listening to this and you have the ability to, I want to encourage you to do something. I want you to put your hands out in front of you. And I want you to imagine that thing, that that moment of rejection in your hands. And I want you to see yourself handing that over to God. And Lord, I pray right now that as, as people are doing this act of faith, I pray, Lord, that there would be an exchange that would take place, Lord. That you want to give them beauty for the ashes, the ugly worthless thing that they have in their hand that's of no value to them or to anyone else you want to exchange it for something of great value something of importance i pray lord that they would have a greater understanding of your love for them than they've ever had before and and i want you right now if you're listening to this i want you to kind of see yourself receiving a gift from god receiving a precious gift that god wants to give you in your hands lord we thank you for the great exchange that we can make with you. We thank you that we serve a God who loves us, who's for us, who accepts us, who approves us, who chose us, who we can give our rejection to and exchange it for something far greater. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message from New Song Church. If you have a prayer need or would like more information about New Song, you can email info at newsongpeople.com. If you would like to partner with New Song through giving, Go to www.newsongpeople.com forward slash give. And if you want to stay connected to New Song, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by searching for New Song People.